Audio. This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I am sitting in the fancy Feral Audio Studios with a wonderful comedian and writer, Jilly Ganyu. Correct. Damn, yeah, I nailed it. Yeah, totally nailed it. <laughs> and thank you for just saying correct. <laughs> that Were you saying correct to my entire description of you or to the pronunciation of your name? Um, I was saying correct just on a moral level, like a higher ground. You know, <laughs> that I felt, you feel you are correct. I, well, I wanted to give you some reassurance just oh, in general. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I so. appreciate that. I really do. But Jilly Ganyu. Yes. That's nice. I well, feel like I'm saying the name of a comic book character, and that makes me happy. <laughs> uh, I am glad that I could bring you some joy. <laughs> How did you come to Jilly? Well, Jillian is my, yeah. I guess, birth certificate name. And uh, I was always Jilly or Jilly Bean as a child, and I never grew up. <laughs> so you never changed from you just dropped the bean part I did drop the bean for professional reasons um, <laughs> but at some point if you publish enough things under the name Jilly it's really easy to own the internet under your name I'm like why would I change this like, okay, so no one goes by that as a grown up <laughs> Jilly for SEO reasons there we go exactly I mean I write comedy and books for children so the idea that I'm going to have anything like mature about me ever is <laughs> uh, it's unlikely anyway so I may as well um, you, you've planted your flag exactly I'm standing here this is the hill I'll die on <laughs> I'm going to die on the Jilly Hill. That's right. That's great. So can you tell people listening a little bit about who you are and what you do? I am Jilly Ganyu. I'm a writer, and I do comedy with a writing partner, Mike McDonald, and I also do young adult fiction. So the comedy books currently we're doing are a series called Choose Your Own Misery that are choose-your-own-path stories for grown-ups, and as you might guess from the title, things tend to go very wrong in the books for you, the main character. And then my young adult fiction is much happier. I have a book coming out on Valentine's Day called Hashtag Famous, which, you know, you might guess from the title, is not super dark or heavy stuff. <laughs> and they kiss. <laughs> and they kiss? And they kiss. It's, it's is that a the little... last page? Did you, is no, that a spoiler? It's, it's, it's not much of a spoiler. They okay. kiss early on and often. Um, <laughs> so it's one of those kinds of books. And then I write personal essays, things like that as okay. well. So. Uh, and so, but the main thing that you you have been working on recently is the choose your own adventures, and, yeah. and then the, the YA book, the hashtag kiss off and hashtag famous. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> is out next year. Okay. Cool. Uh, the choose your own adventure thing is awesome to me. Uh, I, for many years, I did a show that was a choose your own adventure live show. Okay. Which is a really really fun experiment because it doesn't have that second person removal. Right. So it's just the utter uh, voyeurism. Of yes. an audience getting to decide what happens to a couple on a date. Oh God! It's called Adventures in Mating, and it was I learned so much about human psychology, because the audience, of course, viscerally went for whatever sounded the worst Always. for the human beings. Always. I'm doing I'm doing a reading tonight and we do all of the readings interactive style. Yeah. So the, the audience always has to vote on what I'm going to read next. And invariably they choose the thing that is going to be most awful. That sounds the most awful, the most cruel. Like yeah. it's I always thought that Mike and I were, you know, especially garbage people for the <laughs> jokes that we come up with and the, the paths that we created. And I'm like, well, everyone else is a garbage person, too, because they're always choosing the thing that I was like, this is the worst it can possibly get. Yeah, <laughs> so. I think that I think there's something really interesting and powerful about that, because when you talk to people who used to read the original Choose Your Own Adventure books as kids, they will almost always describe it to you as 
I wanted to see if I could win. I wanted to see if yes. I could do the right thing. But then when you give them the opportunity to do that, they're no, they're just like, no, I want to peek into the darkest corner under yeah. the most horrible bed yeah. and see what's lurking in there. Exactly. I think it's human nature. And I totally cheated as a kid. I was the kid <laughs> who had like, as I would bend down as many corners, stick my fingers in all of them, try to win a book that the whole point is that I can experience it more than once. Like, Yeah. But I we think. want bragging rights. That's right. I, I have to get the pirate treasure at the end. Damn it. Like, yeah. That's yeah. happening. So. <laughs> when when we emailed about you doing the podcast, you offered me a choose your own adventure like selection yes. of obsessions, <laughs> and I selected Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time, Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time. So you are specifically obsessed with that particular game, but I imagine that you like the Legend of Zelda oeuvre in general. That is correct. My cat is named Zelda. It's larger than just that game, but... <laughs> okay. Now, I've played Legend of Zelda, uh, but I imagine there's a decent amount of people listening to the podcast who have never played the video game. So between yes. us, let's try to give a very short description. Let's imagine that like a time traveler woke up And all they have is this podcast. <laughs> an unfrozen... I don't know, maybe somebody from Revolutionary. An unfrozen Revolutionary era soldier okay. wakes up. Yes. And we explain Legend of Zelda to him. What is it? Legend of Zelda, I would say it's an RPG-style game, role-playing game. I don't even know how to describe what kind of role-playing game it is. You yes. have to sort of level things up, but it's not one of the ones where you're, like, assigning points right. so to you have Yeah, strengths. you're playing the, the character... Link, yes, who is clearly Link. destined to be a hero, and you have a feeling of open world because you can wander around and you can do yes. silly things, but eventually you must do certain tasks. And usually in a certain order. Like So the, the tasks only unfold. You're only able to access them after you have uh, achieved the previous task. Yeah, it's a great illusion of freedom. Uh, yes. Ocarina of Time in particular, because it feels like you could do anything but for the most part you have to do most things in generally the right order exactly and like you try to get around that and they're like no we're gonna go and reroute you back to this path in which you do things in the correct order yeah yeah and it's very i would say it's a very hopeful game it has uh, i think a lot of emotion to it yes and uh you are sent mostly into temples to solve puzzles yes so you can ultimately yeah i mean it's a quest game and there's obviously fighting in the legend of zelda games but uh, there's a huge amount of puzzle based play in yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of what keeps them from being more of a just a straight adventure game. It makes them kind of unique, I think, when they started, at least. There's now obviously tons of games that do a similar combination. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, I love that the first thing that you said is RPG, because obviously that ties to what you're doing with the Choose Your Own Adventure books. That yeah. idea of being able to go anywhere and like, ultimately you can't. No, <laughs> <laughs> ultimately we, we pick where you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so when and how did you get hooked on Legend of Zelda colon Ocarina of Time? Um, so I was maybe 14 when that game came out. Okay. And we had a Nintendo 64. I had Nintendo systems as a kid and then a Sega and then a Nintendo 64. And Nintendo 64 was... Amazing! Like, if you were playing games at that point in time, it was like nothing else that you'd ever seen. You were using, you know, you had previously had side-scrolling games on a 2D surface, like 8-bit graphics for, like, old-school Nintendo. And everything came out, and it was actually 3D. Yeah. It felt... I mean, you look back at the graphics now, and you're like, whatever. What was I thinking? But at the time, it was like, this is 
amazingly real. This is the best thing I've ever seen. Yeah, I remember getting together with my brother and just moving characters through space for like four hours. Uh, and now it feels like the biggest rube thing in the world of just like, the video game is amazing. I can go back and forth and exactly. bump into a wall. Seriously, the wall is like right there. Like I can see, <laughs> I can feel it. That thing at the beginning of Mario where you'd like play with his nose, I, I probably did that for like an entire day <laughs> before I even played that game. But so yeah, we had the system. And at Christmas that year, we got Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. My parents knew that that was something my little sister and I especially really wanted. And I started playing it and I just went into this deep wormhole with that game for a few months because it was you could find walkthroughs on the internet and things like that. But the idea that you were going to resort to a walkthrough as like your first recourse wasn't... Uh, it wasn't done. It wasn't like I, was, I wouldn't have been a real gamer if I was constantly going and checking how to do it on the Internet. So I would just spend hours with this game trying to figure out what the puzzles wanted me to do. And the, the open world feel that you talk about in that game especially, it felt huge. It felt like I could explore endlessly in, in this world that they'd created. And there's tons of side quests. All the Legend of Zelda games have tons of side quests. So you, I, could, I just spent hours and got deeply obsessed with the game um so yeah yeah i remember being amazed uh when a friend showed it to me because uh, i had played like the 8-bit legend of zelda yeah. when i was very young and was uh, already uh, really fascinated by it but the fact that you could piss off chickens that yeah. was the thing that was like mind-blowing to me of if you annoyed chickens they would attack you that that felt very real to me of like that tracks with real life. <laughs> That's exactly like my experience with chickens on a day-to-day basis. Actual chickens. Yeah. So was there was there anything like that uh, in terms of side quests where you got immersed in like I just like going fishing? Um, I did a lot of fishing. I was not very good at fishing, and that pissed me off. So I would spend <laughs> even more time doing the fishing stuff. I tend to like the side quests that reward perseverance and and puzzle solving more than the ones that are more adventure based. So yeah. like winning the horse, you have to do a race. I hate races in games. I find it extremely stressful. I'm like I have an obsessive nature in general and like being put under that pressure. I'm like, "Oh god, things are going to go wrong. I can't do it." Which, you know, it's not that hard, but <laughs> That I remember that one being an extremely like difficult and stressful day, like winning the horse in the game. Yeah. But, and were you the kind of gamer then who sat down and said, like, I know I need to get the horse. Yes. Today is horse day. A I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to make this happen. Yeah. And yeah. so I, uh, same with fishing. Like, it's like today I just, I'm just going fishing like, yeah. for and hours. I, <laughs> I got to get that, I got to get that better lure so that I can get this other thing so I can go to the bottom of the ocean or yeah. Lake Hylia. Excuse me. Ocean. <laughs> <laughs> it felt new. like an ocean. At it the time. felt like an ocean. It was so deep. You had to get all of these different scales to be able to swim it. <laughs> uh, did you feel more motivated uh, by an obsessive need to just do everything right? Or did you find yourself more motivated by the emotion of the game? Because the game is very good at when you complete a task, you as the main character, Link, have made somebody else happy. Somebody else yeah. is always in plight. Something that was rotten is now fresh and blooming. Did you find yourself more motivated by those emotional things or by the just need to get it done? Probably a combination. I think that I attached a ton of emotion to the game. Like I experienced the game in a way that was so personal yeah. um, that I felt 
invested in the characters and their outcomes. I mean, my sister and I both had this experience where in the game at some point you go from being a child and you do your child quests and then you wake up and you're an adult and there's additional quests that you do then. And we both got weird and nostalgic and like upset about the transition. Like I, I, I think it was like pouring a lot of like adolescent emotion into this game. The, so therefore the emotional qualities of the game definitely resonated. But the need to knock down all of the... Um, not like the dominoes, but like to get through all of the gates yeah. in the correct order and the correct way is very fundamental to my nature. So I think that it, being rewarded for going through and being systematic and methodical is something that very much appealed to me about it. Oh, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. If you're already inclined to want to do things in a systematic, methodical way, to then be emotionally rewarded of like, yeah. you are a hero and people are praising exactly. you for doing this obsessive thing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I like that a lot. Yeah. Uh, that's interesting that you, uh, you, b- both you and your sister felt weirdness about the time jump. Yes. I, I found it extremely like stressful and I, open a new file so that I wouldn't have to adult until I figured out in my additional in my first file, my first game, that you can go back eventually. But, you know, you could there is a point in the game at which you can um, you can switch between child and adult states for different quests and you have to you have to do it to finish some of them. Um, yeah. And that was that was rewarding to be but, able to yeah. go back. <laughs> I was bothered by it too. And then I did sort of like, well, wonder why that bothered me. Because in a way it should be ideal because you basically just skip puberty. And yeah. I think if you ask most human beings, even before or after puberty, like you could skip this. Yeah. I think if you asked me during puberty, if I could skip it, I would have been <laughs> For like, sure. hell yes, please <laughs> let me get out of this. Then I wouldn't have to like make a Legend of Zelda fan site <laughs> yeah. to deal with myself. Uh, so you can add, you can make up your name. Like we all know he's named Link, but you can put in your own name. What name did you put in? Oh, I totally put in the name Link because in oh, the wow. original Legend of Zelda, there's a bug that I think if you put Link or possibly Zelda, like you can put in different names and you get like some extra side quest, which I haven't done in so long. I don't remember how it works, but yeah. I believe if you use the name Link, you you were rewarded in game for it. So I made my name Link in the game, hoping to have a reward in game, and I don't think I did. But I also didn't like the, I mean, so I've, as an adult, I've also briefly, I've taken up Dungeons and Dragons and things like that. Whenever I do role-playing stuff, I tend to project as a guy. Like I play as okay. a guy. So I didn't want Link running around and being called Jilly because that's not who he is. I get to experience the world as him, this dude. Oh, interesting. I didn't want it to be that he was reflecting me that strongly. I wanted him to reflect him. Okay. I, I wanted to immerse myself in him, not the other way around. Oh, yeah. That, that's really interesting. Yeah. Uh, if you could, if they put Ocarina out of timeout and you could play as uh, Zelda slash uh, Sheik, yeah. the character she transforms into, would you want to have that experience from her perspective? I would probably intellectually want to to see what, I mean, because presumably if you got to play as her, you'd have a completely different game, right? Yeah. Like it, what she is doing in those seven years, who knows? It's probably <laughs> probably something awesome to be, like, I was a princess that I found in a garden and then wait, like seven years later, yeah. she's like the most badass assassin on earth. Yeah, that's um, an awesome puberty. Yeah, her puberty kicked ass. <laughs> to come out an assassin. Literally. I'd go through puberty again if I could just come out as a cool assassin. But it would probably involve a lot of like tricks where you're beating your skin to like harden your knuckles and stuff. Yeah. There'd be a lot of years of like physical pain in, okay. in your puberty, I think. <laughs> but yeah, I would do it for that experience. But fundamentally, I wouldn't want to play as Zelda. I would okay. want to play as Link. Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah. To me, a part of the power of that that uh, level of interaction that we hadn't had before was being able to put in your own name. Yeah. And I remember feeling that it was both like vain and funny because people would 
call you a hero all the time yes. and say like, oh, thank you, Joseph. You saved me. Like, <laughs> I don't normally uh, hear people say things like that. I get I, to. I mean, you must lead a boring life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Your podcast saved me. Mm. One of the things that I think is fascinating about the game and I wanted to ask you about is that Link is not great at communication or relationships in general. <laughs> and particularly in this game, he is often confronted with people exposing their emotions to him. Yeah. There's no voiceover in this game. And then he usually answers with an ellipsis yes. and runs away. Yes. <laughs> so since you were playing this at a formative time, did you learn any relationship tips from Link in Legend of Zelda? Oh, I mean, I was playing it at a formative time, so I wouldn't have to learn relationship <laughs> tips. Oh, so you so you related to Link then? I, like... I related to Link's inability to like <laughs> understand his his entire life and and those feelings. I would say that it's he he's a good listener. <laughs> he's a that's, really good listener. That's an interesting challenge to the idea of what a good <laughs> listener is, because a good listener should listen, but eventually they should probably offer something in return, right? You, you might want to try speaking as well. It doesn't hurt. As an adult, I have adapted this and also learned to speak. But <laughs> at the time, it, I thought that was great. He allowed these women to express their emotion to him because he must have been a real safe space for a lot of these women in, in <laughs> Uh, Hyrule, yeah, you know? for sure. Link never had a voice. No. What do you think his voice should sound like? Ooh. Um, I feel as though anyone that was cast as his voice would sound wrong to me. Right. Almost but what if Nintendo came to you and said, we heard you on this podcast. Yeah. We know that you love Link. Yeah. We would like you to do the voice of Link in our new version of Ocarina of Time. Would you take it? Oh, I would totally take it. I think I would be a great <laughs> child Link because I think, you know, child Link would probably be a female voice actor, right? Somebody uh -huh. who's got the ability to make your voice prepubescent. Okay. Adult Link, I wouldn't, I would probably want it to be, what's his name? Tom, is it Tom Hiddleston? Yeah. Is that the one? He's the one in his Loki, right? Yes. I'm thinking of the guy from Sleepy Hollow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Who plays Ichabod Crane on the excellent and underrated television program, Sleepy Hollow. That okay. guy could be Adult Link. <laughs> uh, okay, that guy as Adult Link. Okay, so you I would come in and Tom say, too. I will play Young Link, yes. but then I want this guy from the show over here. Mostly because then we could maybe be in a recording studio together and I could fall <laughs> deeply in love with him. Let's, let's be real, there's yeah. an ulterior motive there as well. <laughs> Fair enough. I would just want to record the noise for his ellipsis. I would just <laughs> want to be able to come in and go, uh... <laughs> And then, like, and then he turns around and leaves. I feel like Young Link's more like... <laughs> He's pretty tight. We can make a collection of uh, noises Link doesn't want to deal with his feelings. Well, you'll sell him off. Highest bidder. <laughs> One of the things that, that people play the video game make the most jokes about is the fairy that guides you. Navi. Uh, Navi, uh, who is famous for yelling at you in yeah. the game and telling you where to go and yelling, Hey, listen. Hey, listen. <laughs> so... It, it, it is annoying, but it is also necessary. Yes. If you could have a little fairy guide like Navi yes. yelling at you in life <laughs> about where you should be going, yeah. would you like that or would that be annoying? Uh, I would almost certainly like kill the fairy. Like I don't think it would end well <laughs> for that fairy. I hate taking direction from people. I mean, you don't end up like a, uh, in a profession where the entire goal is like solitude and you you are your own boss at all times if you love taking orders. <laughs> like, Interesting. So how do you think that marries with with your desire to do things like structurally in the correct order? So like if you had some like higher power like this fairy guide who says, yeah. I do know the right order. Yes. Is your desire to go your own way more powerful in you than that desire to do things in the correct order? 
Probably not. I mean, I would, I would, as a person who tried to win even books, you know, like <laughs> I would want the fairy to tell me, but I would resent the. Uh, I don't know if I should. You swear. can swear on this. Okay, please. I, I'd resent the fuck out of her, man. I would yeah. be so mad at her for telling me constantly, like, uh, "You're gonna have to wait in this holding zone for another three years until someone's gonna accept your next book or something." I'd be like, <laughs> "Why? What? Just, knowing is horrible." <laughs> like, so, I think uh, I would definitely accept her, but I might accidentally murder her. Okay. Yeah. So, would you use her powers for a little while if she was like, "Hey, I, listen, go I, to this cocktail party to get a book deal." <laughs> Yeah, hell yes. <laughs> I mean, if if she could do things that were better than teaching me how to use a sword, like <laughs> here's a wooden sword, thrust by using B. Like the hey, listen was always like in-game uh, instruction, and some of it was like I think you should go to Mount Mount Doom or whatever. Not Mount Doom. The the if it were you can go and get this book deal kind of stuff and like functional to my life. Yeah, that'd be yeah. great. If it were. Hey, listen, did you know eggs can, like, last longer in the fridge? I'd be like, ah, Nav, yes, I'm a person, I'm a human being, I know that. Right. That is a good distinction. That little helpful life hints would be really annoying, but profound moving forward. I think that's a really good human insight that, in theory, we would really want guidance. Yeah. Especially when we're trying to make our way through a difficult career, but at the same time, we would super, super resent it. Yes, because, I mean, especially with difficult career stuff, it's wonderful to have the mental backup of, well, you know, this it's just a tough industry. It's just like I, I couldn't control it. If you knew that, in fact, you can control it and then you have to wait for this like exact period of time for it to work out, that would be hard. Yeah. That would be hard information to be in, in, you know, have in hand. And it would be terrible if a fairy popped up and said, like, everything would have worked out if you had press the B button. Yeah, And it was exactly. just something real stupid that like, you just didn't figure out how to do. If you had spent time attacking that rock, like, <laughs> things would have gone differently for you. <laughs> Speaking of hitting things, um, a huge part of the game is you get all of your resources from cutting down, you know, pottery and yeah. grass and bushes and that. How do you think that would change society if we woke up tomorrow and if you hit various things, money or bombs would come out? How do you think that would actually change our real society if suddenly... We could all whack things to get resources. I mean, I feel as though probably everything would be solved. If all I had to do was go outside and, like, pound enough trees with my fist, A, I'm getting out a lot of aggression. Yeah. So I probably wouldn't turn it towards people in a negative fashion. And B, like, no one has to work a job that makes them slowly, like, hate their lives and therefore they go home one day and, you know, like, kick the cat. Like, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to leave it at kick the cat. It could get worse than that. <laughs> like, things can get worse than kicking cats. Although it does, it does beg the question, like, why you would store valuables in pottery anymore. I feel yeah. as though you would definitely, like, try to choose a more secure location for your stuff. But. Yeah. Now, if you knew the hidden truth that, valuables were now kept in pottery, but uh-huh. other people didn't, because mm. it seems to really only work for length, which it is does. why the economy of Hyrule <laughs> doesn't fall apart. Yeah. Would you break into other people's houses uh, to bust up their pottery like Link does? I'm going to go ahead and say like I'm a fundamentally timid person and would not do this. <laughs> I mean, it would be great if I knew that like Link, they would have no consequences. Like He does it in front of their faces all the time. You're yeah. like in the house with them, and you break their stuff, steal their money, and then you go over and they say the same exact thing to you. They're like, I would like you to find my dog. <laughs> you're like, okay, I'm going to do it. But I don't think I'm like cut out for burgling. Okay. <laughs> I mean, people already do have valuables in their house that if I were to break in, I could just steal. <laughs> but specifically, specifically, would it be more morally acceptable if they were all in lovely pots? 
I mean, if the if the pots were outside on the front lawn, I might break the pot and take <laughs> okay. some money. But if it, if I had to open the door first, probably not. Yeah. Breaking and entering versus just, you know, theft. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. This is a kind of beer picker question about how you engage with the game. Do you prefer the running around in the open world, which feels a little bit more freeing and is usually a little bit more positive, or do you like being in the dungeon where you have to solve the problem and there are constant threats? Which is I, more fun? I prefer the open world stuff because the only thing you have to do is is solve puzzles in the open world. Like it's not the risks aren't they don't feel super high. I like doing the dungeons. Obviously, it's the part of the game that is the most um, most like immediately rewarding for you. They you get payoffs from like you completed this room and you can move to a new room and all of that stuff. Um, but fundamentally, what I love about the Zelda games as a whole and that game specifically isn't fighting. It's not slicing down the the bad guys, like the bosses and the mini bosses and all of that. Yeah. I like the fact that a lot of the game doesn't force you to do that. Yeah. Um, because, uh, again, fundamentally timid. <laughs> and I find it... <laughs> I actually, like, when I play those games, I still do this when I'm gaming, I will get extremely stressed out and I have to stand up while I play and I'm actually sweating, <laughs> like, a lot. <laughs> so You have to stand up. Now, how does standing up physically make you feel... Is it that like fighting against your being timid? Uh, I don't know. It's like my version of like physically leaning in. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to get closer and like somehow be more intense by standing. Also, the sweating is more uncomfortable when I'm sitting on the couch. Oh, fair enough. So it's just like, pooling issues. It's, but yeah, there's that as well. It's both for physical comfort and I feel as though somehow I can control the experience more by like lean closer to the game and yeah. stand and do it like this. <laughs> um, it has not worked well for me. <laughs> now, you said you played with your sister? Or- yeah. Did you guys play together? Did you take turns? Or did you each play through the game separately? Did you watch each other play? We each play- played through the game separately. I was always a little ahead of her. Um, so I would we would watch each other play as well. But I think she was constantly getting spoilered, and I was not. Okay. <laughs> so I would not watch her play a Zelda game if she were ahead of me. I would find that upsetting. But we both we had a long tradition of watching people play video games as well. <laughs> my next door neighbor and best friend, like my entire childhood, Peric, had totally better games than us or just different games than us. So often there would be like entire afternoons where I would go over to Peric's house and just watch him play a game. Like I, he'd had Doom, I remember, on the okay. computer. And like I found Doom extremely stressful. I don't. I still to this day don't really like first like person shooters. Like you can't stall, stand tall enough to yeah, deal with that I stress. Yeah, can't. I mean, especially for your PC gaming. Like what? That's terrible. But I would just watch him play. I would watch him like go through the Doomscape and and murder people. And you know, I was like, that's great. <laughs> well, that's Good understandable because you're not going to play that game. What joy did you get out of watching your sister play if you had already? done things did it annoy you when she was not doing things the way you thought she should or was it just joy of watching her run around and fish and frighten chickens and whatnot i think it was just joy of being in the world like i just wanted to be i think it was like such a specific thing to being an adolescent but like the desire to have something almost consume you to like you know to become this thing that you love it's it's i don't know it's an intense sort of longing and i think that i was pouring that into this game so being able to spend more time with it via her was obviously a bit of a pale echo but like i'll still take it because it's better than not being in the game right now yeah so yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense to me i think that's a lot of what the podcast is about in general that's the way I experience obsessions of wanting to be immersed in them. Yeah. And some obsessions lend themselves easily to that. 
and others don't. Yes. Legend of Zelda is a great one it's because great you one. turn off the lights and you stare at the screen and you mostly feel like you're inside the world. Right. And it's well done enough that you have those emotional rewards of like, I went into the dungeon, I did this scary stuff, and then when I came out, the Gorons were happy. Yeah, exactly. I made Gorons happy. I did something with my life today. They had a great dance for it. Like, <laughs> I mean, Darunio is a nice dude in the end. He was gruff, <laughs> but kind. <laughs> yeah. And and I think as video games go, like, there is that aggression that you can get out by games with games like Doom, where you're just like, yes. I'm going to slaughter as many people as possible. And Legend of Zelda is, to me, very hopeful because it is about making other people's, other creatures' lives better. Right. And it's about taking a world that's tippling. It's always, the world is always on the line between light and darkness in Zelda. Like, and whatever you are doing is going to prevent great evil from destroying something that you experience, especially if you're me, as like a beautiful, wonderful place. Yeah. So, and especially in this game, like when you're a kid, the world still looks beautiful. And when you're an adult, things have like, there's been sort of an apocalyptic moment in between um, when you're asleep, essentially, uh, when you're suspended animation. Yeah, when you go through puberty, you wake up and and nothing's right anymore. Exactly. And that's, I mean, that's probably (laughs) psychologically telling that that was how, you know, why this game was so important to me. (laughs) But yeah, you're able to create a better, happier world and prevent bad things from happening in this in this game, and yeah. I don't know, it's it's extremely hopeful. Yeah, and you get control over something in, in, that in life you never have control over. Yeah, so. cool. Yeah, that, yeah. So that's a very hopeful note. Uh, but I'm going to ask a darker question because awesome. I'm a monster. <laughs> uh, if you could, I, I think the temples in the dungeons are interesting in that you almost always literally go down. Mm-hmm. So you're up in this world that's a little bit nicer, and then you have to plunge into this darkness to get something done. And it's a thing I think about when, like, oh, I, have, I have to do some writing. It's a challenge. I don't want to do it. <laughs> I'll plunge into the darkness, and then I'll come back out. If somebody was going to develop a temple or a dungeon based on your own psyche. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> what would that dungeon or temple, what would the challenges be like? What would it be like thematically? Would it be fire? Would it be water? Spiders? What? Oh, okay. So... Uh, I have to answer your question with a, another question. Absolutely. When we say my own psyche, should the challenges reflect the things that I, I find most threatening and dangerous, or should the challenges reflect like how I view myself as a human? Oh, uh, let's try the how you view yourself as a human, and then we okay. maybe we'll get back to the other one. Okay. Um, so I think that it would probably be earth-based. Okay. I think I'm very grounded. <laughs> so I think it wouldn't be fire. It wouldn't be water. It would probably be dark. <laughs> very dark, um, very thorny. Uh, there'd be a lot. Of, there'd be a lot of like knives. <laughs> I think in that dungeon. Okay, so um, this is kind of an Indiana Jones dungeon that he's sure. in so far. Yeah, it's an Indiana Jones dungeon, and I think a lot of the challenges would be like maddening, obsessive challenges. It would be the kind of thing, you know. I'm. I actually have just OC, actual OCD as okay. well. So I think that, um, like, you'd have a dungeon in which you had to touch something a certain number of times. <laughs> It'd be the kind of dungeon where, like, if this room is not a perfect perpendicular orientation, nothing else can happen. <laughs> That's kind of a nice temple. Like, I know it's an actual condition, and I'm not making fun, but but you this... should make fun. It's also a ridiculous condition. <laughs> I do like the idea, though, that it is a temple that Link needs to go into and then just make look really nice. Yes. He just has to clean it up and make it really neat and tidy. Everything would have to end in five in this temple, and you'd have to pick up all the pennies on the floor. (laughs) (laughs) That's how you win. You get all the pennies. 
Hey guys, it's Sarah, co-producer of this podcast, and this week I'm looking for people on the street to talk to about, what is it? Legend of Zelda. Okay, here we go. Have you ever heard of The Legend of Zelda? No. Have you ever heard of The Legend of Zelda? No. Have you? Nope. Based on the name, what do you think it is? A woman with snakes coming out of her head. (laughs) I believe it's a video game or a cartoon even, maybe both. Definitely something magical. As far as I know, it was like a Super Nintendo game. Uh, Zelda was like an Irish warrior that had a sword. And what I remember from the game is that you would just like kind of go around and do missions, but there was never like, I never understood like the, the point of the game. Zelda reminds me of a name of a grandma. Yeah? Like an old woman. Zelda. Something with Zelda, yeah. Descri- describe this woman, Zelda. I'm not sure, but there was a, uh, there is a song with Zelda in it. It's in Hebrew. Yeah. It has something to do with Zelda yeah, and the grandmother or something. Safta Zelda. If you could smash a pot and there was something cool inside it, what would you want it to be? A big heart. That's from Zelda. <laughs> oh, is it? Yeah. Get out. So, Ooh. I've never heard of it. How about you? What would you want to find in a broken pot? Probably gold. Money. Coins. <laughs> Treasure. Gold. <laughs> I don't know, a shield maybe, or a helmet, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> yeah, because that works in both reality and uh, fantasy, I guess. If there was a video game based on your life, what would it be like? Like a romantic kind of <laughs> video game. <laughs> She's a newlywed, so yes. Oh, Thanks. <laughs> Some kind of newlywed video game. Yeah, something like that, where people live happily ever after, nobody's fighting. Uh, what would it be like? It would be one of those weird meta games that people play and then get confused by and shut off 20 minutes in and they're just like, this was weird. It would be called, like, Confused and Alone. I don't know. <laughs> Does it have bosses at the end of the level? Oh, it has bosses all the time, but the bosses are like, uh, overwhelming debt. Would you want a little fairy to fly around your head and tell you what to do? Uh, only if it was giving me good advice. Would it tell you to stop and talk to this random stranger with a microphone, or would it tell you to not do it? I feel like this is a good decision. We're going to move on to our How Obsessed Are You questions. So, do you think about Legend of Zelda every day? Yes, my cat is named Zelda. So, right. uh, And my phone ring is the original Legend of Zelda uh, from the NES original, like, number one Legend of Zelda. Okay. So I can't not think about it every day. So if those things were suddenly removed from you, uh, well, like, you're traveling right now, so you're not with your cat. Yeah. Right? And uh, if somebody just changed your ringtone and you, you had those little reminders removed, would it still just pop into your brain on a daily basis? No. It wouldn't anymore. Not. I mean, when I was 14, 15, yes, absolutely. But no, not anymore. Okay. So you're choosing to have those reminders. Yes. So it does <laughs> pop into your brain. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's a happier place than life. So <laughs> Fair enough. But is that a reflection just that you like it, or is it that you are trying to basically uh, trigger your brain to think happy Legend of Zelda thoughts by having that be your ringtone or having that be your cat's name? Um, I think it's just that I like it, and I think of it as fundamental to my personality. Okay. That, you know, that I'm, I'm the kind of person who is obsessed with this video game, so I want to reinforce that about myself. Cool, cool. Yeah. Have you ever had a dream about Legend of Zelda? Absolutely, yes. <laughs> Tell me about it. Um, I've had dreams back then, like, that I was in the game, basically. I was doing things in the game. Sometimes they were horror dreams, because there are elements of the game that are, um, like, scary, and if you were 
under the impression that the graphics were so realistic that you can't. <laughs> this real, this world is so real. Um, the horror elements, I'm, I'm very susceptible to that. So I definitely had some nightmares. Okay. Now in these nightmares, you were you. You were not Link. I was both. You know how in yeah. dreams you can be both you and someone else. I was both me and Link. Yeah. Yeah. Did did you ever in the dreams uh, defeat any foes, or was it all running from the terrors? Probably a lot of running. I mean, this is, these dreams were a long time ago. I didn't record them. I didn't have a dream journal. But I'm going to assume that I ran a lot because okay. I'm not the kind of – I definitely am a flight, not fight person. <laughs> okay. Well, tonight when you go to sleep, yeah. if you have a dream about Legend of Zelda, because yeah. I'm grilling you about it, yeah. by all means – uh, contact me and tell me what your dream was tonight. I will. You can I will. drop it back into the podcast. That sounds great. I'll, I'll let you know. <laughs> okay, sounds good. When someone walks into your home, are they able to tell that you are obsessed with Legend of Zelda? Not unless they looked around for a long time. I do have a... <laughs> so it's a kind of a puzzle. Yeah, it's a puzzle game. You have to find out what I'm obsessed with. Like, I have a Nintendo 3DS. The casing to it is a Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time casing. Okay. Um, I have... Nintendo uh, Wii and Wii U, and uh, they have like the adaptation or the the plug-in stuff where you can get the older games. Yeah, they're all downloaded, so like you could find hints of it. You, I mean, the game in my 3DS. Knowing we were going to talk about this, I totally started <laughs> playing Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time again on my 3DS. <laughs> so you could find it, but you'd have to look. It's not everywhere. Okay, is there any one obsession that when people step into your home, they can say? This is something that's clearly a huge part of this person's life? I mean, I guess books. I live in a one-bedroom apartment, and there's um, four bookcases that are just totally overflowing, and then they're <laughs> stacked on top. I just moved across the country, and I moved probably, like, 15 boxes of books. Why wow. would I do that? I don't know. I have you to You know about them. Kindle, right? I, I, I've okay. heard of it. <laughs> I just wanted to be it helpful. Sounds, it sounds dangerous and new. <laughs> <laughs> if the only way you could play the game is stealing a copy of Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time from Walmart... Would you steal it? Oh, fuck yes. Walmart, <laughs> I mean, that's also a pe- feelings about Walmart. But yeah. So let, tell me about Walmart. Shoplifting is fun. <laughs> Let's be real. Uh, well, I'm, I'm from the Midwest, and Walmart, its footprint everywhere, I think, is one of, of stamping out small businesses. But in the Midwest, it sort of is like the only option in a lot of places. Right. And it's also the place that you most often see someone slap a child in the face in public. And I'm like, it's just uncomfortable for me to be in there for like moral and ethical reasons on every level. Right. So you would feel like stealing from Walmart is a bit of justice. Yeah. Damn the man. You know, it would make me feel like a teen rebel, which I never was. (laughs) What if it was stealing from a small, like independent book and video game seller where you were you knew, much like Link breaking into somebody's home to smash their pottery, you might be upsetting them. Mm, yeah. Would you still steal it? Would you cross that moral threshold in order to play the game? Do I still get to have like my past experiences of the game? <laughs> sure. <laughs> then no, I probably wouldn't. I don't think I would do it today. I'm, okay. I'm a, a grown person who doesn't want to hurt small business owners. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How about when you were a teen? Yeah, would, uh, I would have. <laughs> I would have definitely. Thank you. I'll crack away at that moral yeah, wall of yours. That's right. No, I'll I get mean, the filth out. Come on. <laughs> Absolutely. If you heard a stranger say incorrect facts about Legend of Zelda, would you correct them? No, but only because I'm the kind of person who I hate getting involved in strangers' conversations. Okay. I would probably turn to the person I was with and correct the stranger for the benefit of that person. I would probably say, listen, like, 
it's not they they mean Navi. (laughs) They they have it wrong. You need to know I know that they have it wrong, but I wouldn't confront them. (laughs) Okay, so that's more about confronting. Yes. But you do feel a desire to have the correct information out there. I do. It's deep. So if you were having a conversation with friends and friends said incorrect things, would you correct friends? Absolutely. Yes. (laughs) Early and often. (laughs) All the time. My friends know that that is something I'm pretty good at doing anyway. (laughs) Okay. So So the challenge is more to stop you from correcting people. Yeah, from telling them that I know more than they do. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. If you accidentally said something incorrect about Legend of Zelda, would you want your friends to correct you? Or would you feel like that's a Navi hey listen moment? No, I'd want to be corrected because I um, fundamentally hate being wrong about stuff. Okay. And I also think that, like, as a grown person, you should be comfortable enough in your own skin that you can be told that you're wrong about a fact without it upsetting your (laughs) your internal, like, sense of self. So That's a good thing to think about in our larger world. Yeah, like, I think facts aren't something you should argue about. Like, you can just, you can tell me I'm wrong about a fact. Yeah, I think facts are hugely important. And going with this sort of very uh, human and moral and loving themes that I find in Legend of Zelda, I think we would be in so much of a better world. We would be in Hyrule after Link (laughs) saved it if we all got really good at sharing facts in a gentle way. At sharing facts in a way that allows other people to maintain that important sense of self when they hear them. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I would agree. Also, I think we'd be in a better world if we just didn't fight about facts. (laughs) If something's a fact, it's no longer up for debate. Yeah. That would be a that would also be a we're world. having some specific problems with that right now correct yes. i yes. don't think we're talking about zelda right now but that's okay <laughs> that's okay i think every podcast for a while i said this on the last podcast uh, i think every podcast for a while is going to secretly be about other larger uh, things it's unavoidable i think every conversation for a while is like i'm if i'm not directly conversing about that it's because i'm trying to hide yeah. the fact that i'm thinking about it <laughs> yeah but I th- that's i think it is interesting to me in being a fan of obsession, doing this podcast for so long, that we do internalize things like your your cat and your ringtone. You you make something a part of your identity. Yes. So you just want to have it around you. And there's that higher intellectual plane where you should be able to say that, oh, I just happened to get something wrong about Legend of Zelda. But if you've made the choice to internalize it and make you a part of it, I think that's a part for me. I don't I don't care about being right. But I feel like I've let myself down or betrayed some truth about myself. Yes. If I get a fact about something I love wrong in front of people. Yes, I, I think I would probably have the same experience. That I, I don't want to get it wrong in front of people because it's who I am. Yeah. Like I'm somehow wrong about my fundamental makeup yeah. if I can't get these Legend of Zelda things correct. <laughs> I got I, my soul wrong. Yeah. Dang it. I did it again. <laughs> So, yeah. yeah, I would rather not get it wrong, but I'd want to be corrected so I don't do it wrong another time. Right. You don't want to build on, uh, your soul on a foundation of lies. Yeah. About <laughs> yeah. That would be, I, I can't imagine what that soul would look like. Yeah. Well, thank you for the therapy. That was a little bit of an epiphany for me. So I'm getting all, <laughs> You're a very good listener, just like <laughs> I told you, I learned that lesson young. <laughs> would you have a Legend of Zelda themed wedding? No, because I don't like theme weddings. Okay. Yeah, not a fan of theme weddings in general. Going to them or just for yourself? Well, going to them can be awesome, but for myself, it feels a little bit gimmicky. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So is it that there's nothing, no one thing that you love so much that it can be represented at something as important as a wedding? Yeah, probably. As an adult, I don't think that there's any one thing that I would want to have like a life a, a theoretical lifelong commitment okay be done up that way i i also just 
<laughs> there's something a little tacky about it. <laughs> I, I, just, I can't get over the sense that, you know, I'm not I'm not a person who's like big traditional wedding gal, but I also can't imagine dressing up like Zelda and getting married and having it feel anything other than silly. <laughs> so Right, is it that it would feel silly or is it that you would feel like you aren't getting married? Zelda's getting married. Ooh, I think it's that it would feel silly. <laughs> I'm not like I'm not a person who does cosplay. Like cosplay is awesome. I think it's cool when other people are like that into the things that they're that into. But for me, it would just feel like I'm literally, obviously putting on a costume, but like putting on the costume of being a person who's that into this. It would be. Okay. It would feel false. Right. So, I don't think I could do it. Would you have a book themed wedding? Would I have a book themed wedding? You, love, you obviously love like physical books, like I their presence, their existence, books. the smell of them. Um, do you want your wedding to smell like a book? Well, yeah, <laughs> I would want it to smell like a book, but I don't think I would theme it as books. No. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, next question is kind of. Oh, I should have asked this one first. Would you break up with someone who hated Legend of Zelda? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> uh, maybe. Yeah, because I feel like that would be say that they didn't like something that is about me. Yeah, because that know? goes back to that being it being part of your soul. Right. And if they said that, if they were really virulent about like hating this thing that I have like built my house on like man that, that, that they might be saying something more about our relationship when they said that it yeah. might be like a passive aggressive thing that I couldn't get out of my head so maybe yeah yeah have you uh been in a relationship that has ended over something like that that's uh that's like just just that that uh, almost compatibility level that's not uh necessarily about oh there's been a problem in the relationship that's just we don't like the same things. Yeah. No, I've never ended a relationship that way. Okay. So I don't know. I can't I can't really make really strong claims on this one because I don't know what it's like. <laughs> yeah. Is there a ranking of would Legend of Zelda be higher in determining relationship status just because Legend of Zelda not only is a part of your soul, but it's also a it's a very hopeful positive thing. So you could have an obsession with like heavy heavy death metal yeah. like which is which has you know some anger it's you know there are plenty of obsessions that uh have a different mm, energy to them sure in legend of zelda i think in general it's very positive right it's about a very sensitive nice little protagonist trying to make the world a better place yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think that you're probably right i think that other things that i am that i enjoy if people didn't enjoy them back, wouldn't be as fundamentally, it wouldn't seem problematic to me in the way that like, why would you hate Legend of Zelda deeply? <laughs> what is wrong with you that you can hate this thing? You don't have to love it. You don't even have to play it. But like, how do you hate it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it would matter more. You should at least be neutral about yeah. Legend of Zelda. Like you, we can, we can deal with neutral, but hating it, I don't know. There's something wrong with you. <laughs> uh, here's a weird one. If you found out that Legend of Zelda was real, like these things all happened a long time ago for real, and, and our Earth is Hyrule, and it has just changed over time, <laughs> yeah. and you found out that you were like a descendant of Link. Yes. Would that make you happy, or would you be weirded out? Uh, that would make me, that would like fulfill everything about me. <laughs> I would totally also rethink my decisions about like breaking into houses for pottery, if that were the case. Like... I think that would be maybe the best thing that could ever happen. Okay. <laughs> would you conduct your yourself differently if you found out that I actually do have the mantle of the hero, like 
I mean, I'd probably volunteer more and stuff. <laughs> I'd be a little bit more decent as a human being. All right. So if you found out that you were the descendant in this ancient line of foretold heroes, yeah. you would go to a soup kitchen. Well, yeah, I do that a little more often. I'd probably also go to Japan and like try to get trained up because I feel as though like all of the Nintendo games, they come from Japan. If I'm going to learn like the ancient warrior ways that I would need to complete eventually the quest I will clearly be sent on, I probably need to start swinging at rocks more right. often. You need with, to learn to spin your sword. Exactly, with the correct type of sword. It's the master sword. You know, you have to get the right one. So yeah. I would go to Japan. <laughs> well, I wish I could tell you factually that you are descendant because it sounds like a pretty awesome. I mean, your life sounds pretty awesome anyway. But then, like, I'm going to go to soup kitchens and then Japan. Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds, sounds pretty great. exciting. Wouldn't you have a lot of sense of meaning too? Dang, that'd be great. Yeah, and a sense of responsibility. And I would feel justified in uh, being non confrontational with emotions. Yeah. If I knew I was a descendant of Link. If I just only listened. Just, <laughs> I'm only going to be a listener. Yeah. That will be my new podcast. <laughs> just listening. Just listening. Barely with Joseph Scrimshaw because he doesn't speak. <laughs> it's just an hour of other people talking. But trust me, I'm there. Believe me. Uh, if there was a large bear and the bear was holding the video game controller, so you couldn't play Legend of Zelda because the bear was holding the controller. Yeah. Would you try to get the controller from the bear? No. <laughs> uh, bears are scary. <laughs> I would not. I would not get near a bear that was holding my stuff. I think I would try to, like, timidly back up so it doesn't see me as though it's got Jurassic Park vision, though I know they don't. <laughs> okay. So you would try not to engage with the bear, yes. which is understandable. Yeah. What if the bear was sentient Yeah. and it turned to you? And it said an incorrect fact about Legend of Zelda. <laughs> Would you engage with the bear then? It's probably still got a lot of anger issues. I'm going to say no. <laughs> I mean, bears, they, they're probably not reasonable people. So, no, I think I would. that would be the one where I'd turn to my friend and be like, this bear's wrong, but we got to go. <laughs> the bear gets to say what he wants. The bear can say what he wants, but like, yeah, I need you to know, buddy, that this bear got it wrong. <laughs> Is there anything that you would try to get from a bear? Any book, any beloved thing? Um, it, not just a physical object, no. Ma okay. I mean, maybe, like, if I ever have a child, <laughs> maybe I'd try to get the kid back from the bear. But on the on the level of, like, physical possessions, no. <laughs> Bears are scary. That's going to be one of my favorite answers. Maybe a baby. I mean, if it was mine. If maybe. I'd, I mean, giving birth is, like, a pretty crappy process from what I hear, like, in a literal way as well. So... Um, if I'm going to go through that, I think I'd probably commit to trying to get it back from the bear. I don't want to do it again. Yeah. So I like the idea of you walking into an apartment and a bear is just gently cradling your baby. The bear's just trying to help. Just hanging out and I'm like, now we have to talk. Just an <laughs> au pair bear. What's, what's the problem with that? Uh, this is the final how obsessed are you question. I ask everybody this weird question. If you could not play Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time without you or someone you love first being punched in the crotch, would you still play Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you want people you love to get punched in the crotch anyway. <laughs> now, that's interesting. So people barter with this question in all different ways. Yeah. And sometimes they want to interpret someone you love is just a, someone in their life that they have to deal with. Yeah. Which is different, I would argue, than someone you actively love. True. But you are saying that there are people in your life that you love, yes. but you still get so frustrated with them that you would happily pawn off this weird mystical cross crotch punch. <laughs> I think that that is, to me, 
fundamentally part of the definition of what is love versus what is just, you know, friendship or acquaintance or anything else is the fact that these people can do things that make you so angry that you could scream or, or claw them. However, you still care enough about them that, you know, you you keep them in your life. Yeah. I, I feel like my sisters are my best friends on earth and... I there are people I've never been as mad as I have been with my sisters. Yeah, you know, the 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 experience of anger is very raw and fundamental when it's your siblings. But they're also the people I love best on earth. So some days I'd want to crotch punch them, but <laughs> <laughs> but most days I'm really 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 happy to have them around. Yeah, so. is there an activity or an issue or something that you, that your sisters do that you would specifically want to deal with in this way? Specifically with a crotch punch, um. No, there's not like any one thing. It's more like fundamental personality, like disconnects that happen on occasion with people you know that well. Yeah. Um. So you know, if you're gonna say the way that you emote, like that's not <laughs> that's not a reasonable way to crotch punch people. So I don't know if there's like a specific thing, but but the issues that you have are things like that. Those big overarching sort of sure. I mean, like with issues. anyone that you know that well, you can. You can predict a certain to a certain degree, like how they're going to respond to things, and it can still frustrate the the fuck out of you. Yeah, that you have to deal with it that way. So okay, so this sounds like a a fun way to play video games. <laughs> that you decide that you're gonna assign this mystical crotch punch that has to happen. Yeah. to someone you love who sometimes annoys you. Yeah, you're gonna sit there with your video game controller ready to play until the person just happens to take one of the actions that yes. you dislike. I'm like, you didn't go out with me when you said you would. You totally left me stranded. <laughs> Crotch punch, and now I get to game. <laughs> yeah, and now the peaceful world of Legend of Zelda. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> nice. Uh, I asked people to make a noise to sum up their obsession. What noise would you make to sum up your obsession with Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time? <laughs> how How would you just... What was that? I think that's what it feels like to have... Your emotions try contract. <laughs> oh, so like, are they? Was that emotion trying to come out, or are you trying to? It was like like an internal sense of squeezing, <laughs> <laughs> really, really hard. Like hugging the the cat so hard that you hurt it. <laughs> okay, was that you or the cat making the noise? I'm yeah. I guess I'm I'm both the hugger and the cat. I'm like a Schrodinger's cat here. Like hugger. I don't know. Nice, nice. That is a great noise. Uh, sometimes obsessions don't have the best noises to go with them. Uh, and Legend of Zelda has just a bevy of noises that you could choose. And I'm glad that you chose one that's uniquely true to you. Yeah, so I've you. been rating people's obsessions. Yeah. Um, I think that you are around like uh, maybe a, maybe between four and five because it. What's it out of? Out of seven. I'm sorry. Okay. A scale of one to seven. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. So I think, uh, yeah, we'll say seven rupees. The, yes. You know, so I think that you're about, I would say maybe 4.5 because you have uh, an obsession that was a specific time in your life. Yes. Where it was intense. Yeah. And now it's not intense anymore, but you carry lessons that you learn. Yeah, that's right. It still shaped me as a human. Yeah. Every day. <laughs> yeah. So do you think 4.5 is a, a fair rating? 
That sounds about right. I feel like I would have to be a lot more actively engaged with Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time right now for it to be uh, higher than that. <laughs> yeah. I would need you to correct random strangers. Yeah, it's I on have the street. No d- there's so many humans in Los Angeles saying wrong things. I'm sure some of them are saying wrong things about Legend of Zelda. It wouldn't take us long to find some. No, they're talking about it all the time. <laughs> there's always somebody to correct. Uh, we're going to move on to the plugs. Do you want to talk a little bit more about your book that's out now? Yeah. Um, Choose Your Own Misery, The Holidays is the book that we just put out in October. And it is the second in the Choose Your Own Misery series. It is a dark comedy book for grown-ups um, and you get to choose your path and it's uh, I, I think it's a hell of a lot of fun and everyone knows how miserable the holidays can be so uh, it will put your own issues with the holidays into uh, hopefully a good perspective and <laughs> that it can be a lot worse <laughs> so right so people can bring this book with them to a disastrous family with maybe in-laws that they're not happy with they can hide in the bathroom with whiskey read your book yes. and say it's not that bad it's not that bad it could be much much worse you're not a skin suit at the end of your family holidays i hope <laughs> so that it could be much worse <laughs> so if you want to feel good about not being a skin suit <laughs> I do every day. (laughs) (laughs) Check out that book. Here's some quick plugs uh, for the show before our final questions. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram is at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter is at Obsessed Podcast. For info on all my upcoming shows, you can check out my website at josephscrimshaw.com. There are two ways to support Obsessed. You can back us on Patreon and get exclusive bonus episodes every month. For full info on that, go to patreon.com slash josephscrimshaw. Or you can support all the podcasts on the Feral Audio Podcast Network by shopping through our portal. Just go to feralaudio.com. Click the support our artist button and shop on Amazon and some of the money will go to supporting Feral Audio. Now, if people went to Amazon through mm. Feral, obviously they should buy your book. Yes. But what else should they buy? Um, they should buy, ooh, well, I would say probably additional books. But <laughs> Of yours? <laughs> or? Oh, my, yeah, buy like 10 copies of that. Pre-order hashtag famous. Did it, get, it, get it right. Uh, they should probably buy like one of those pillows that you can um, treat like a girlfriend. Oh, the body pillows? Yeah. They should buy a body pillow that looks like Link. <laughs> that you, And you can treat it like a girlfriend. Or a boyfriend, I a guess, boyfriend. in this case. Yeah. yeah, so you can just get a body pillow and be a really good listener to your body pillow. <laughs> You're like, both really good listeners in mm-hmm. that relationship. Yeah. It works out really great for everybody. <laughs> awesome. So go to feralaudio.com, click the button, go to amazon.com, buy a bunch of Jilly's books, yes. and a body pillow that you can listen to. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be great, guys. <laughs> Here are our final questions. If you could open a little door in your home and it would go anywhere, just one specific location, where would you want it to go? I would want it to go to the liquor store. <laughs> no, I'd want it. I would probably want it to go to like the south of France or something like that. Just something like exotic. Yeah, nice that I would usually place. have to pay a lot of money to get to. Yeah, have I, you been there? I have, but not since I was a kid, actually. But you know, it seems like it's probably nice. <laughs> yeah, it's a good place it's, to have a portal to, right? right? Yeah. yeah. If you could control an army of any kind of animal, what animal would you want to control? Uh, probably like chipmunks because I feel as though they could get into small spaces and do a lot of cool stuff for you but also it would be really like non-threatening to see them go down the street and then I would really take people by surprise when I turned them on (laughs) you know (laughs) when I I controlled their minds and made them do awesome things yeah yeah Yeah. you could send them into Walmart to steal things for you exactly plus there's like a very abundant supply so if I'm going to have an army of animals if I have bears like great but there's a limited number of bears in my army it's a natural selection type thing there's a lot of chipmunks right they're small and you never know how many chipmunks there are. Exactly. And you can swarm people and surprise My people. My army would be huge. <laughs> Is there anything else you would make the chipmunks do? 
I would probably make the chipmunks do my errands and clean my house. <laughs> <laughs> I I hate adulting, and I would want the chipmunks to do it for me. Okay, that's pretty great. Yeah, because we there is a precedent from like Disney movies and whatnot for little animals doing housework. Yeah, but going animals. out and buying toilet paper. Yeah. That's a hell of a thing for the chipmunks to swarm into a convenience store, pick up the toilet paper, leave a five on the yeah, table. Exactly. One of them is just in charge of the, the five dollars because it's too big for them. Otherwise, <laughs> yes, I would love for them to do that. Housework and uh, and errands. Awesome. And the final question for everyone on the podcast is what is happiness? Happiness is achieving something meaningful in your life that makes you feel fulfilled as a human. Is it the moment of fulfillment that is happiness when you, to you when you achieve it or is it the moment afterward when you have a brief break from chasing after things because you have had a victory so you can relax for a moment I think it's the moment afterwards because the the sense of achievement is actually sometimes very stressful <laughs> <laughs> so it's the moment when you say hey I did a thing that I wanted to do and I feel that I am adding value to the world and you can reflect on that briefly. right that's an awesome answer because it's just like Legend of Zelda. It's not the moment you beat the boss in yeah. a dungeon. It's the moment where you go back up to the world. You go back up to Hyrule. Uh, and something is blooming that couldn't previously grow. Yeah, that yeah. is a great answer. Thank you so much for doing the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. That is our podcast. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. I think the best scene is the moment that you go to the great Deku tree as a child and he starts telling the story and all of the like, the history of Hyrule comes in. It's a it's one of the sort of video moments in the game and the expansiveness of, of what you're doing feels very real and important.